record. Um, I had uh, a conversation with somebody. Um, I had a kind of like a continuing conversation with them. It's, it started, um, I don't know how many years back. And over time, it sometimes comes up again. And I had a, another installment of it recently. And I felt like my, I finally felt like I had the answer to their question. And I feel like it's a, it's not a universal question because not everybody struggles with this level of question, but I thought that the answer it was very enlightening to myself. Like when I came up with it, I was like, oh, wow, this is very important. And it applies to everyone to whatever degree, to really almost to, to any question of, of Avodah Hashem, and even if they're, the person's um, you know, struggle is not um, to this point. And this person... Over time, once a from person, you know, listen, person who's a from life, um, said that she really struggles deeply with the basic basics of Amuna. Like, do is there a Hashem? Does he exist? Does he have to do with us? You know, basic, basic. And this person chooses to continue with the from life. But this question, uh, understandably, is very haunting to her. And it, it really makes her, you know, crazy because... I mean, well, if that question answer is no, then like, what in the world are we doing, right? So, and and they and this person is quite intellectual, and she said, you know, she always takes this 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 question. People always try to answer her, I think, um, with intellectual answers. Look at this proof. Look at that proof. Look at you know, um, it couldn't be that the world would create itself. There's books and books and books of this proof. You know, how could monkeys clacking away on a typewriter make Shakespeare poems? So then, how could you know, just a bunch of atoms crashing into each other make a world? A great, wonderful, you know. But this person's like, so maybe yes, maybe no, whatever. And all of a sudden, in my most recent conversation, I said, you know, I just realized something. When Moshe Rabbeinu came to Paro and he said. Um, uh, Hashem said, send the Jews. First time he said, comes to him. Paro says, who's Hashem that I should listen to him? And the and um, Rashi there says that Paro said, fine, bring me my book of gods and I'll examine and, you know, I'll look through the whole book and see if your God is in there. And of course he couldn't find Hashem in that book of God. So he said, there must, that's conclusive proof that there is no Hashem. So um, no, you know, Yod Kevavke. So the Medrash, I don't think Rashi writes this whole Medrash, but the Medrash says, it's like a person going to a cemetery to look for a live, I think it was a general or a king. You're looking in the cemetery, but the guy's alive. You're not going to find them there. Isn't that a beautiful yeah. mashal? Uh-huh. Hashem is the living God, and you are looking in a book of idols. Now, how does that apply to this person? It struck me like such a bolt of lightning. You're looking in your brain for proofs. And those proofs could be disproven because it's this whole science that's too big for our, us. You have to look in your heart. And what does that mean? Now, this is a little scary, but I said to this person, if you cannot look in the mirror and say to yourself, you are a good person, you have value and you have worth to yourself, you will never find Hashem. That's really amazing. But it's true. Can you explain the connection? I'll explain the connection. I'll explain the connection. It's true that our minds are extremely important, and I could talk for days about the power of the mind. <laughs> you know that. Anyone who was in my class, you know that the koach hamachshava is a favorite topic, and it's very important. Your brain is amazing. Your brain and, and, and what you think creates realities and all that. However, if somebody has amazing brain power and work, but their heart is locked, 
for any reason, and we can talk a little bit about the reasons for that, if their heart is clamped shut, there's a wall around their heart, and they don't feel something called love, love for themselves. And then we'll, right, that can maybe be love for others and love for Hashem eventually, then they will never know Hashem because Hashem is the, his existence is love. I know that's not necessarily what you picked up from your education, but Hashem is Ahavas Olam Ahavtich. Hashem's existence is love. Sure, there's din involved. Sure, he you know, it takes us to task for things if we go wrong. But Hashem is all pure Ahava. If you look through the sitter, I, I did a project on a flight to Israel. <laughs> no, it was maybe on the way to, to New York. And I underlined every time that we say that Hashem is Merachim, not asking him for it, just calling him that. And boy, I, I, I took notes on it and I had like seven pages in a notebook. How many times we call Hashem the Merachim? how much Hashem yearns to shower us with rachamim. But that's a side point. Rachamim and love is not exactly the same. But the point is that we may think of Hashem differently than he really is. But the place to find his existence is inside a person's own heart. Now, what's the connection? The connection is that when Hashem created mankind, right, he blew into this body a breath, and that is the neshama, right? The nishmas alokim is the breath, right? So you have the, the you know, the, the nefesh ha-chaim has the famous uh, mashal of the, the glass blower. So the glass blower takes a glob and he heats it and he puffs into it a breath of his own and that creates the bulb shape of the glass. And so a person carries a, a breath of Hashem in him or your neshama is above you, but your neshama is godliness. It's elokos. A person is mitzalem elokim, right? We have godliness in us. But many of us are closed to our very self for many good reasons. And it could be just in these times. It could be, it's not just in these times, but many of us are are not built. Our heart is not solidly set. And we don't believe in our own worthiness of existence. And so... It, it, it's like there could be the heart could feel like a, a stone or it could be like that there's a wall around the heart. And when that's existing, the person could search the heavens and every science book, they'll never find Hashem because the first place that a person that Hashem lives in is in the soul of the person, right? Ner alokim nishmas adam. Hashem's existence in the world, the most important place of Hashem's existence is inside of the person. But if we are locked to ourself and we think like, oh, I don't want to deal with me. Okay, I'll, I'll be really, really good and then I'm worth existing. Or I'll, 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 I'll make a big contribution to the world or I'll be rich or famous. Then my existence is worthwhile and then I'm something. Then I'll look at myself. But that's a big mistake because a lot, it's very uncommon to know this. But our existence, our, sorry, our worth, our value is because we are here. Not because we're good. Not because we do mitzvahs. Uh, I know that sounds crazy, and I'll explain. Not because we are talented or successful or people like us or people know us or rich. It's because Hashem put his breath into us. That's the worth of the person. You see, when a newborn baby is born, everyone just not everyone. Some people don't like babies, but there's a feeling of everyone in the family is like, whoa, there's something special about a newborn. What did the newborn do? She can't pick up her hand. She's surely not contributing to the family economy. <laughs> if anything, the opposite, right? She's surely not 
accomplished. We don't even know if she has talents. You can't even tell if she's pretty. For sure, you can't tell if she's smart. She's a little blob, but she's a new person, and we see the wonder of a new person. Very soon, our love for the child gets replaced with this from this unconditional love with just this like, oh, she's so smart, and let me go call Safta and tell her what you said, right? That's how it works in our house, right? And, you know, that we start thinking about how smart and how pretty, and, but that's not really the worth of the person. The real worth of the person is what's recognized when they're born. Just because you're here, just because Hashem breathed his spirit into this human form, that's it. And, 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 and that, that's really how the Jewish people think about human life. Not all people today think of human life that way. So we think about that. Let's say I was just reading this article from a while ago about this family that fought for the life of their baby in England and the, the British hospitals didn't allow it. And they took the life of this child that was like, just, a, you know, like a vegetative state, but the family wanted to keep her and whatever there that you could see, they recognize a person is a person, no matter how awake or asleep, how vegetative or you know, capable. Okay. But that, in that extreme case, people could see it. But in the case of many lives, people think that I'm worth something. If I accomplish a lot, I'm worth something. If I'm known, I'm worth something. If I'm talented, I'm worth something. If I'm, you fill in the blank and we need to pull that back and understand worth and value. And this is a huge shift for most people is based solely on existence that Hashem made me. That's my worth. I'm good already, you might say. So why keep mitzvahs? Why have good midos? Why, what else? Why strive? Why express your talents? What else? What else would be the whys before we get to the answer? If your worth is just because you're here, Hashem loves you and wants you in his world. And if he woke you up in the morning, then that means you're worth something. If that's enough, why, why mitzvahs? Why try to be good? Why should you be from? Why should, why anything? I mean, let's see if there's more questions. Why, what else? I said, why mitzvahs? Why good midos? Why, why, um, try to express your talents? Why, what else? Why be nice? Why not be mean if you're good enough as you are, right? Okay. So the answer to all of that is our worth and our value. Think of like a flower. So the center of the flower is the worth and the value. The petals are our accomplishments, our choices, our behavior, our shmiras hamitzvos. The value, the the quality. Now, value and quality could be used interchangeable, but the quality of our life absolutely goes up if we keep mitzvos. The kind of life we're going to have in this world and the next world, of course, our quality of life is going to go up. If we don't have mitzvos, we're going to be floundering. We're going to be lost. We're not going to know how to live, and we're our, our life is going to be difficult and confusing without the guidance of the Torah, without midos and without a guideline for how to treat each other and without, you know, being nice and without, um, what else did I say? Expressing your talents, the, the, the enjoyment of your life will go down so much and you, and, and, and you need it anyway for a social contract. You need people to agree to be nice to each other so that they can, so people can, um, coexist. But you're, but if, if, if someone thinks, well, today I'm worth something. Tomorrow I'm worth nothing. Today I'm worth something. Yesterday I was worth nothing. That the value and the worth of the person is dependent upon their accomplishments or their God-given gifts. That is a mistake because your worth, meaning Hashem's love for you, is unfluctuating. It does not change. What fluctuates could be the, re, the rewarding life that you will have. But the value, the core value of the person is Steady. 
And like we said, when a person does an Avira, hopefully they feel bad because their neshama is calling them and saying, no, 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 don't do that. Don't let me there. Don't your neshama tells you, you know, guidelines of how you're doing and, and we'll, we'll stop you. Hopefully, you know, if you tune into it, you know, that that wasn't a good step and that was a good step. And that's why we feel good when we do mitzvahs and we feel bad eventually when we do an Avera. Like we definitely have a guide, guide light from our neshama to tell us how, how we are using the gift that was given to us. But the core value of the person does not fluctuate. Hashem never stops loving us. He just allows our choices to create our experience in this world. So getting back to this conversation, I said to this person, it's like you're looking in a graveyard for a living, you know, it's, it's like Moshe Rabbeinu's mashal. You are searching for scientific proofs or not really searching. You're like frustrated that there's no proof of Hashem. Like you saying, like, show him to me with my eyes, with a scientific proof. But the problem is that the place that he could be shown to us is by experiencing love in our hearts. Now, let me explain. Okay, teacher says, um, girls, banos, you have to love Hashem. Banos, you have to have avas Yisrael, right? So one girl says, how? So the teacher says, ooh, that they didn't teach me. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> so she says, um, work on it. You have to work on it. So the girl says, How? Teacher's like, just a second, I have to sneeze. <laughs> how do you work on it? I have no idea. How do you work on it? That's what the teacher said. I don't know how you work on it. Just, I don't know, go into a room and kind of jump up and down and repeat it to yourself. Or I don't know, um, um, you know, like hold up a sign that says, you know, love other Jews. Um, no, she might say, well, read a story about a gadol who did. And that's probably actually good advice. But work on it. For decades, I wondered, what does work on it mean? Okay, so using your brain to think about it's true. However, let's say somebody was never experienced being loved in their life. They never felt love. So they're thinking about someone else's good qualities. So they're like, mm-hmm, very nice, good for you, good qualities. But they don't feel anything in their heart because they never felt love ever. The idea is love cannot be taught. Like Mora writes on the board A B C D E F G, love has to be experienced. A person has to feel love at first from others. Wait, I'm going to make an addendum to that before they can feel love toward others. So love has to be experienced. It cannot be mandated or taught. Now, if a person, let's say, like if a person did not have a bris, he's responsible to give himself a bris. So same way, if a person never received love from their parents does not mean that their life is, you know, there's no hope. They can make be their own parent. You can learn how to do that and and then you can you can open your own heart to yourself. But the point is it has to be experienced internally before it can be experienced, you know, toward others. So this person agreed. They said to me, it's true. My heart is a rock. My heart is a rock. I am like, I don't know why, but there's a wall around my heart. When when I said this, they said, you know, you're right. Absolutely. I I said, would you be able to look in the mirror and say, you're good. You are worthy. And they said, no, I wouldn't be able to do that. Can't do that. So I I think we arrived at finally, where is that, you know, cork? Where's that stopper? I think we finally figured out what is troubling this person's amuna is that amuna is not really in the brain. It's a feeling of love in the heart. 
And it can only be experienced if it's experienced. It can't really come. Thinking is, of course, part of it. And it's true. Our thoughts lead to our emotions. And that's something that I've talked about plenty. Our thoughts lead to our emotions. You know, someone's feeling depressed. What thoughts are you thinking? They're thinking I'm not worthy. They're thinking, you know, there's no hope. They're thinking such a depressing thing is going on. I'm so depressed. You know, thoughts do lead to emotions. But you can't tell someone how to feel. You can't say, oh, did you ever hear this one? Never in the history of calming down has anyone calmed down by being told, calm down. <laughs> right? It's just true. So there's, you can't tell people how to feel. You can't tell people how to feel. You can tell people ideas. You can tell them, you know, you can share thoughts, but you can't tell someone, feel this way. I mean, you could say feel at home, but also you really can't. Like, you're welcome here. I hope you feel at home, you know. So, so feelings can't really be um, mandated. And, and I think that a lot of times we're teaching. So we have teachers in this room and all of you are going to be mothers. And we think that chinuch means like instructing, you know, like telling our children, like, love your fellow Jew. But some children might say if they could speak without being in trouble for chutzpah, but you don't love me. So how do I love my fellow Jew, right? Most parents love their children, but not all know how to express it, right? So like, love your fellow Jew. Like, like, how do you love? What is love? Love cannot be taught. It must be experienced. So, you know, last week's Parsha, just yesterday, it said that Yosef, uh, they were describing Yosef. I think it was Yehuda was describing Yosef to, uh, sorry, yeah, to Yosef. Actually, he was describing Yosef to Yosef, right? He's like, our brother. Um, could be he was, yeah, yeah. And so it says, Our father will just be devastated if we lose Benjamin because our father's um, nefesh is tied to the nefesh of his son, Yaakov. So the Bala, sorry, Yosef. So the Balaturim comments that there's two places in the entire Tanakh where the word kshura is used. Two places in the whole Tanakh. Kshura is here, and in Mishle, not a Pasuk we learn, um, that the um, that Iveles, like foolish sinfulness, is tied Belevanar. Ivelak Kshura Belevanar. Two places. That's all the Bible term says. These are the two places where the word is used. And I heard such an incredible explanation of what is the ke- connection between those two things. Iveles, ta- Iveles is tied to the heart of the Nar, and Yaakov's um, and Yosef's hearts were tied to each other. And it said, this explanation was, when we learn the story of Yosef resisting Aisha's Potiphar, we understand he had incredible um, strength. And we, you know, Rashi says that he was about to give in, but then what did he see? His, father. his father's his father. face. Right. So there's different explanations. How, how did he see his father's face? So maybe he thought of his father. Others say because he looked just like his father. So when he saw his own face, he thought about his father and he realized his abilities, his potential or, you know, whatever their meaning is, he saw his father's face. But this connection that the Balaturim brings, that the two words, the two times the Kshura is used are here and there, teaches us if we want our son Yosef and, you know, we're, right, we want our students, we want our children to have amazing strength to resist temptation and to make good choices. We need the other thing, and this is, let's say, this could be a good thing, you know, for parents of, let's say, teenagers. You want your Yosef to resist the temptations. He has to feel that your soul is tied to his soul. He has to feel that you are so so connected to him, and he has to feel so much love from you that he 
has strength. Now, you're not in a stage where this Dvar Torah applies, you know, directly, but you can understand, Mr. Hashem, you will be. And also you can understand the applications that it starts in the heart. All the good choices start with a feeling of connection. It doesn't start with instructions. It doesn't start with Musr. You know, you know what it would be like when we start teaching, do this, don't listen to your Yetzirah, you know, don't touch the Muksa. Um, don't, you know, don't pot your baby sister. Don't, 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 and do, 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 do. But it's like building a building, great building, that has no foundation under the ground. The foundation is the child, or it could be the young woman's sense of their own goodness. It makes sense, right? You could see that. All the mitzvot in the world are not going to tie a person to Hashem unless that person is tied to herself. Unless she feels, I have worth. Hashem wants me. I'm important. I am needed I matter. I'm good. Even if I did an Avera, I'm good. Hashem still loves me. He never closes the door. He wants me to do tshuva. He sees me. All my needs are important to him. All of a sudden, the mitzvahs are a beautiful structure on top of a deep foundation. But if you don't have that foundation of I am needed, I have chashivas, I exist. Some people don't even feel they exist in the world. I exist. I matter. I am worthy. I have value. I am lovable. I am loving. When a person feels those foundational things, all the mitzvahs built on top are amazing. They're amazing. But the building without the foundation, everyone knows that doesn't work. Or the same, another muscle for the same thing. It's like branch is growing and leaves growing, but the tree does not have roots. Same thing. The, the One wind and the tree will blow over. The tree needs to be rooted. And what are the roots? The first level of kesher, which is a kesher of a person to himself, which hopefully comes from parent to a child initially. If it doesn't, a person could build it for themselves later in life. But the kesher has to be inside. So this is the problem. We got a little mixed up in our in our society. So we teach from the outside first, right? You have to do mitzvot. Don't speak Lashon Hara. Do be nice. Um you know, give a lot of tzedakah, um, all the musers that we teach from preschool and on, you know, I don't know, you could think of whatever we teach kids, but we forget about the foundation piece, which teachers should not be the first one giving it, you know, parents need to give it, but it doesn't always go, you know, like, like, um, you are, I love you because you are you, not because you did a good thing today. I love you because you're you, not because you got good grades. I love you because you're you, not because you're talented or beautiful or anything like that. Imagine, right? You, someone would say to you, oh, you're so beautiful. I love you. Like, that's terrible. That's not why someone should love you because you're beautiful or anything else. Love is just, it's not earned. Love is not earned. But we, a lot of people feel that they need to earn love of themselves. Like, if I'm not good and I didn't accomplish a lot today, I don't love myself. You could want to accomplish. You could want to, to do mitzvos. You could want to have nice midos. You could want to have good relationship skills. But none of that should it should be what your worth depends upon. So far, does that make sense? Is that surprising? Does it is it surprising? But yet it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Surprising, but it makes sense. Right. Exactly. So like there's certain questions I've wondered my whole life. Like, how do you work on it? How do you work on your Amuna? And something is like, study it. Okay. Okay. But what about when you just feel close? You just, you study it, but you don't feel open to it. And one of the questions that you suggested is like, Tfila, like what, how do you engage in Tfila when you do not feel connected to it? So there's a few things about that. One is life includes ups and downs. There's Yemeha Ahava and Yemeha Sina in every relationship. 
and Revol- um, the Ali Shore writes about this and probably many others from that we have seasons in our life, even within a week, even within, you know, whatever, a month, we have times where we feel open and connected and times where we feel closed and disconnected. And that is just how it needs to be. You know, the heart monitor that registers ups and downs shows life and a heart monitor that's steady shows a lack of life, right? You know that about a heart monitor. So life includes ups and downs. And one day you'll feel so connected to your tefillah and another day you'll feel flat. You'll feel like tefillah, you're just like going through, you don't even remember that you said it, right? So that's number one is do not expect consistency, consistent perfection in, in tefillah or any other mitzvah. But since tefillah is the work of the heart, you, we want it to be, you know, meaningful. We all, you know, maybe other mitzvahs might be, we can be more tolerant if we did it without heart, but we think like, you know, tefillah, like that should really be with kavanah. Well, you should, yes, but it's going to fluctuate. That's for sure. And the other thing is, again, we need to start within. If you feel like tefillah is just like an experience of, it's a mitzvah to read the words, so I'm going to read the words. If that's what tefillah is, it's a good question. It's good to ask yourself, um, do I believe that Hashem wants to hear me? Do I believe that he needs my tefillos in this whole big world? Do I believe that he's interested in me? Someone told me something so beautiful. Somebody that was struggling with her, with her davening. And she said that like, you know, sometimes she davens like at the last second before um, chatzos. And she said like, she knows that's not the ideal time to daven, but she gets it in. But she says, she noticed something. Even whether you're davening like, you know, at the perfect zman before zman kriyashma, or you're davening at the last minute, you still say the same words. You say, Ahava rabba avtanu, Hashem elokeinu. You say, Rachem aleinu, vehu rachum. It's the same Hashem you're talking to, and he wants you to say the same words. There's not another version like the the uh, guilty version, like the, please excuse my existence, but I know I'm supposed to daven, so I'll just press the davening button. You say the same words, and you say the same Express the same connection, whether you're davening you know, at the right time or the wrong time. And that's true for men, too, who really have more zman restrictions. If a man is davening at the last minute because whatever happened, he still says the same words of connection to Hashem, which to me is such a beautiful thought that we, that we, um, we don't assume that Hashem rejected us, even if we reject ourselves sometimes. And we shouldn't, you know, and, and we shouldn't, you know, reject ourselves so, you know, you see this all the time. You have, is there still water? No? Okay. Um, you see, like, um, no, it's okay. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm just really thirsty. Um, you see that um, in, 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 a, in Elul Shia, right? So that you have, let's imagine a guest speaker comes to seminary and she's speaking about, you know, Hashem is coming, um, you know, the Melech is, you know, you're crowning him. And, you know, she's saying the most incredible, like, Midrashim that you never heard, like about Hashem and crowning him. And you or your classmates or some others are sitting there and they're spaced out. And they're, like, looking at their nails and splitting their hair. And, you know, and, like, this person is talking about, like, the greatest thing in the world, like, that just being mamle Hashem or whatever. Why is a girl not able to hear this? Why would you or your classmate like sit there and like say, tell me when she's done? Why? I'm not asking this in a critical way. I'm asking this in a honest way. Why would someone be very distant from this topic of you can crown Hashem king? Not up to hearing it. Because you think he doesn't need me to crown him. Right? 
Is that what you're saying or are you saying something else? No, I was saying sleeping during this year, quite often because it's, it's like that was where the run went from somewhere. Uh, people who sleep during this year, not like, not because they're tired, but like spiritually sleeping. It's too much. Right. It's too, absolutely. Absolutely. It's too much. I can't. It's overwhelming. Absolutely. And I'm asking why, let's say, forget about a shear. You come to Davening Rosh Hashanah and you're like, I'm trying, I'm trying, but you just don't feel connected to the davening and you feel like it's too long and your eyes are closing, whatever. What is it? A, a huge portion of the time, the person, if you would ask them, do you think Hashem is waiting for you, like you, this person in this chair, to crown him? And the person would say, no, I really don't think he needs me to crown him. I'm not important. He is a big world. He's Hashem. There's a lot of greater people than me. He does not need me to crown him. That's a very understandable um, feeling. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. We need to kind of ingrain in ourselves and it will still fluctuate throughout depending on what goes on and moods and anything. But we need to ingrain in ourselves that the great Hashem who made everything and has always been and always will be needs little me. That is so important. He's waiting for me. He wants me to crown him. If it's Rosh Hashanah, he want, every day we crown Hashem. But, you know, he wants me in his world. And I matter to him and my needs are important to him. And he's interested in me and all that. And that's like something that is not necessarily felt. Not everybody has a felt sense of that. A felt sense of like their importance and their love for themselves. It's not always, you cannot take that for granted, for sure. And so, you know, I, speaking of Yosef, I just think like he, I became so fascinated with the Parshios about Yosef because at the beginning of, of his story, his, his brothers really, really resent him because he shares, he's a little young and he acts young and he shares the dreams and they are like, who in the world does he think he is? And they think he's the Esav of the family or the Ishmael. That's the explanation of why such great Gedolim did something so heinous and unimaginable that no one in our community would do, right? We wouldn't sell a brother so you know, or sell anybody. And here they're Shifte Khan. They sold Yosef. But anyway, so they sell him. And, he, and, they, and they make fun of him before they sell him. They say, here comes the dreamer. Let's see what happens with his dreams, right? That's the language that they use. And they decide, you know, let's kill him. No, let's not kill him. Let's, let's toss him in a pit. No, let's sell him, whatever. And you see how he, he's tossed into a pit and he gets picked, pulled out and then he gets, you know, sold to this one and to that one. And it says, Vayhi um, Halokim Es Yosef. Halokim Hashem Es Yosef. Hashem was with Yosef. Now, Hashem would only be with Yosef if Yosef was with Hashem, right? It means he kept, he's kept himself like a really important person. His brothers hated him. They, they threw him in the garbage. They made fun of him. They scorned him. His mother was dead. His father could not help him. And he was like, okay, so what do I have to do now? He held his head so high. And you see, he's in prison. First of all, no, before prison, he he resists these the advances of Aisha's Potiphar. So, of course, in all the Parsha papers, she's an ugly witch. But in real life, she may have not been an ugly witch. She may have been a very beautiful woman. And the Medrash says she kept changing her clothes to all day to attract him. You know, she was, she was, she was trying to make him herself noticeable to him. And he um, was 17. He was 17, thrown away by his brothers. His father thinks he's dead, alone, wrongly. And someone wants to have a connection with him. 
doesn't it make sense that he would give in? He's like, and who will ever know? Okay, Hashem, he's far away from me. Who will ever know? This is not the thought process of Yosef. This is what someone might think. Who would ever know? My Good for them, my brothers, are, you know, ruining the family reputation. My father, too bad. Let him come find me, you know. But instead, he says no. And he runs away, pulls away from her. And it was not an easy thing to do. It was not like we teach the little kids, you know. And he said, get away from me. He probably was like, should I? Or should, not probably. We see it in the trap that he, you know, went back and forth and back and forth. And he resisted. And then he's thrown into prison. That could be the end. For most people, that would be the end. Enough. How much do I have to go through? But he's in prison and he says, he's an ish matzliach. Matzliach, we usually translate as? Successful. But really, that's mutzlach. What is matzliach? Makes others successful. Mm. And, and you see, he says he was an ish matzliach and Hashem was with him. And then it says, these two guys have bad dreams. And what does he say to them? Why are you sad today? Why are your faces bad? Why are your faces bad today? What's the question? Why do you look sad today? Yes, but I'm saying, what's our question on him asking these guys, What? why are you sad today? Where are they? They're in prison. Like, Yeah, they're in prison. They have a life sentence on them. I mean, not life sentence, they have a death sentence on them. Why yeah. that day? Yeah, like, why are you sad today? Weren't they sad every day? And, and you're right. Why does he care? He has his own problems. That's another thing. But he asks them, why are you sad today? So the Balai Musra say, this is the kind of person that Yosef was. Wherever he was, people were happy. So that day they were sad. So he asked them why. And they said about their dreams and he interpreted it. And to me, and then the way he forgives his brothers and everything. To me, he is such an example of someone who held his own worth inside of himself and did not let other people's opinion of him change that worth. That's very hard to do. Not many people could do that. To keep on holding on to your own worth, even if very important people don't appreciate you, even if the Shvatim, that's Ruven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, you hear who we're talking about? Um, you know, hush of a people don't think you're worth anything. And you know that that's not true because that's impossible because nobody's not worth anything. Nobody is not worth anything. And Yosef for sure was worth something. He held his head so high. He kept his inner strength so intact that he was able to rise and rise and rise until he actually became a king. And you see Yosef is that is the king. And then you see David is the king of, of Israel. David is the quintessential Melech Israel. David and Yosef have something in common. They both were rejected by their brothers. They both were thought of as a throwaway. And that's why David Amalek says in Tehillim, Evan. Ma'asu habonim, pina. The stone that the builders tossed away, were disgusted by, became the headstone, the cornerstone. And we need to think about that, even in ourselves. Hopefully, none of you feels that she's even ma'asu habonim. But we all have parts of ourselves that we would like to throw away, right? Ah, oh, I have this mida. I have this weakness. I wish I could throw that away. That can become your rosh pina. This, the weakness becomes the strength, which is a whole nother topic, which let me just see if this, what time is it, 15? Um, um, that the weakness is the strength, the weakness becomes the strength. That's that's a very important thing, and I, I'll address it a little bit. But Yosef, the king of the biggest country in the world at a very young age, and, and, and David, the ultimate Jewish king, both had this trait of being tossed away by their brothers and thought of as not worthwhile. And they both were the Evan Ma'asu Habonim that became the Rosh Pina. 
And what a part of what it comes from is holding your own importance in your heart because you can't live important if you don't believe you're important. If you think you're actually a throwaway, your life will be like that. But if you think you're worth something, your life will be like that. And so now to, to just tie together some, 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 some loose ends over here, we all have weaknesses and strengths and our strengths are definitely here to show us our, our path and purpose, right? You're good at something, you should do it. Our weaknesses are also a manifestation of our strengths. And they, it's a big, huge topic. So I'm just kind of like giving the title of it, which is the thing that you are very, very weakest in is an expression of your ability to become very, very great. And we, it takes like exercises to figure out how so. But what, whatever is something that is so comes up again and again and is so hard for you is, is actually like a cover. It's almost like the peel of the fruit. It's a cover for the greatness that's inside. And I absolutely cringe when I hear people saying about a person that they want to amount to anything or, you know, some sort of thing like that. Like, I feel like my, I feel like the, I don't know, my skin just like my hair stands on end when I hear someone saying like those words about a person to have the gaiva to say that about a person that Hashem created is so it's so unforgivable that a person could say that about another person. No, this person is not much. They want to good for nothing. I, I mean, you could see it. I'm very emotional about it. I feel like to, you have to believe in human potential. If, first of all, if you want to be a parent or a teacher, but if you want to be a person, you have to believe in human potential. And to say about another person, like they're not worth something, you know, she's not good for anything. It's like, it's unforgivable and it's not acceptable. It's not true. There is nobody in the world that doesn't have a place and a strength and whatever. And so even the weakness is the strength, which is, like I said, a big topic to figure it out. But let's say you just accept that fact that my weaknesses are actually their metric opposition. They are actually my strength. And forget about it. You don't have to study your weaknesses so much. Just study your strengths and let those pull you along and you'll see your weaknesses will turn over. Um, It's a lifelong thing to work on and to, you know, to to actualize. But it's really the truth. So um, we have this idea that. Knowing Hashem starts in our heart because no Hashem is love. And if you don't feel love in your heart, you're not going to love him. You're not going to know him. And the foundation of all the mitzvos and all the everything is a person who is built inside and feels that she's worth something, feels that she has value just for being here. And all the other things that we do are to improve the quality of our life, but it doesn't make us a valuable person. And then we talked about, um, you know, like, if you're connected to tefillah, if you're not connected to tefillah, if you are, you know, you, you also asked me a question about like actualizing potential. Everything is tied in to this foundation, to these roots of having a connection to yourself, of feeling your worth and your value, which is non-fluctuating, which is steady. The sense of value to be able to look in the mirror and say, I'm a good person. I have value no matter what I did today. And guess what will happen? You'll have an easier time doing mitzvot and resisting Averos. That's the thing. People are afraid. If I tell myself I'm good and I have value no matter what I do, I'll just not take responsibility. But that's not what happens. That's not what happens. A person who feels they have value will live up to it. You see this with kids, right? If you have a student in your class and you make them feel like they're your helper, they're going to act like it. And you make them feel like they're the troublemaker, they're going to act like it, right? That's for sure. Because people live up to suggestion. People live up to their beliefs of themselves and other people's beliefs and all that, you know? 
So it's, don't be afraid to stand every morning, you know, as you're rushing out the door or every evening and look in the mirror and say, I'm a good person. I have value. I have worth. Hashem wants me in the world. Don't be afraid to say that. It's not going to make you lazy about your mitzvos. It's not going to make you haughty. You'll have an easy time being nice to people because it happens naturally. And here's the thing. As long as we don't believe we have value, everything in the world is like a pipe to pull in. Oh, someone gave me a compliment. Okay, I have value. I did a mitzvah and other people saw. Okay, I have value. Um, uh, as people rely on me for tzedakah. Okay, I have value. Um, I put her down. Okay, I have value. Um, you know, I could boss other people around. I could make my students listen to me. Okay, I have value. And the pipe is pulling in. And that's a backwards pipe. What is really the way it's supposed to be? We're so built inside. Our value is so unquestionable. Everything flows out. I do my job well. I'm nice to people. I help. I'm careful with halacha. It flows out and it works much better. Can you see that? Could you imagine that if we don't have that, we're pulling the whole time. We're pulling. We're trying to get value and get everything, but it doesn't work, right? You know, oh, wait, she complimented me, but now she complimented the next girl. Oh no, quick, emergency, right? You know, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's so needy. But if we believe our value is like whole and our heart is like built and, and complete, then everything flows naturally. Like you can't pour from an empty pitcher. We want to be pouring. We don't want to be taking in our, in our life, right? We want to be filled from within and then pour naturally. So there's much, much more to be to say about this. Um, but, you know, I feel like, let me just see what time it is, 921. Um, so I'll just add like a few odds and ends to this basic idea. One thing I want to add is that... Um, The truth is that pretty much everyone is a little bit of a mess inside. Pretty much. Everyone has some days, at least, where they're basically a mess inside and they are not solidly you know, rooted like this. And some people say it's these days. I don't know because I never interviewed someone from other days. But I do see that, like, I you know, read about, like, Rebetzin Young Grice. Okay, like an example. Okay, so she was rare. She went through the Holocaust. I was just reading a little bit about her yesterday, you know. She went through the Holocaust. Look, do, you, do you think she doubted her worth? Does not sound like it. Not for a second. Not the way she acted, you know. Uh, okay, so she was rare. But then you read about all these people who went through the Holocaust and they seem to like not question their own existence. And I think like today people without a Holocaust often exist, you know, question their own worth and their own It's very common. I, I, I have this question with the good old days theory in general in life. I always question like because I'll read something from the 50s and it says – Back in the 30s, people were so much more polite. <laughs> you know, so I, I always wonder about these, like, the good old days thing. But let's just say it's just today. People today are um, a little bit of mess inside. People are a little bit like a lot of scattered pieces inside. It's just the name of the game. And I heard someone saying, like, in the first base of English, the first base of English was destroyed because of the sin of... The three cardinal sins. It's like, like people were fighting Hashem, like worshiping idols. The second, hating each other. Okay, so you're seeing it's going from there to there. Guess where the third war that's going right now is? Bin Adam La'atzma. And it's really true. You see it. You see it. Depression, anxiety, lack of worth. It's all over us. It's everywhere. And in anywhere you turn, in any classroom, you see so many people who look like, who needs me in the world? Anywhere you look, you see it. Now, was it like that 
60 years ago? I can't say. A Holocaust came and interrupted everything. And the truth is, after the Holocaust, people were just like busy building. They were just like making yeshivos and making communities. They were not so busy with the emotions. And they didn't need to be. It really was different. I could say that in my days, it existed. You know, maybe less. I have no idea. I, I didn't measure. I didn't make a metric system to figure out. But for sure, today, people have a lot of broken brokenness in their hearts and uh, and that's the an explanation that i heard it was ben adam lamakom ben adam lachavero and now it's ben adam laatzmo and the truth is then that is the underlying piece of all struggles so let's say you have a person who goes to his kolel and he learns you know the Sefer or Sadikim, all about how bad anger is every single day and he comes home and he's angry with his family because the battle is not really between him and people. He's fixing it on the wrong level. The battle is inside himself. He has a shakiness inside. Anger is vulnerability. You know that if you were in some of my classes, not any, not all, but some of Anger is vulnerability. When a person's angry, the more angry someone is, the more vulnerable they're feeling. And what they're angry about is what they're vulnerable about. I see that with myself. What do I feel reacting to? What I'm, when, I, when I feel vulnerable, think about yourself. What makes you feel, if, I know none of you get angry, but a little, bit, a little bit disappointed. What makes you feel a little bit disappointed? What makes you feel angry? It's a place where you're vulnerable, something that matters to you, right? So anger these days is not to be treated. Don't tell the person you're about this and you're about that. To look inside. Why am I shaky? What's scaring me? What's my fear? Do I feel like the floor is falling out from under me? Of course, I'm going to yell like an orangutan because I'm scared, right? So like, you know, anger is actually, you know, sounds like it's amida. But at the first instance, we should always look at the inner circle. And the problem is that today, Chinuch is like a little bit lagging and we're still working with the outer circle. Like, you know, we said like, love Hashem, love people. And the person's like, but I don't love myself. And the little squeak inside, a little mouse inside, like, help. So we need to turn it around and we need to work from the inside. And we need to say the worth of the person is the foundation piece of all good things. And we, the main person that we could work on that with this ourselves, to talk to ourselves like that and to say it's okay and forgive ourselves for mistakes and talk to yourself like you would talk to a nice, to a, a, as you would talk nicely to a friend, right? Forgive and don't bl- blame and judge and force and coerce and, you know, and if you're nice to yourself then, and you love yourself, you'll start to feel love for people and that'll extend to Hashem and the pipe will be flowing outward instead of pulling inward. So it's basically, um, those are some of the points that I would want to make. And um, I'll take your feedback if you have any um, any thoughts on it. Any? Wow. Okay. It's pretty amazing, right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. appreciate it. How do you explain what you just said about Ethan with, like, um, they say someone who gets angry, like, they start to vote. So how do you... Yeah, because... It is. It is. Absolutely. We, you know, we learned that it's a lack of believing that everything came from Hashem, but like, who are we talking to? That's a great lesson that it's a lack of Amuna and all that. But you, like, like the girls sitting there and the lecturer is saying, Hashem, the Melech is coming. The girl's like, Shh. you're talking to someone who is sleeping. The person who's shaky and feels like the floor is falling out from under them because someone was acting differently than they asked. They can't be told you should have Amuna now. It's not time for Amuna. It's time for like, they need a hug. I'm not saying you should hug them, but I'm saying they are so shaky. They're on such shaky ground. And Muna is like the next level. It's true that it's a lack of a moon, but you can't talk to the brain when the heart is in shambles. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? 
yeah yeah I wish everybody knew this. You know? I know, <laughs> I know. I was just having a conversation with someone about. Should I turn it off? Yeah. Yeah, so sorry. <laughs> no, for sure. I'm not. 